happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, everybody. So I am gonna have you do something for me. I'm gonna save those of you that forgot, but if your mom is near you, turn to her and tell her Happy Mother's Day. So my name, is, um, my name is Grace Rankin. My husband, Ben, and I have the privilege of starting a young marrieds ministry here at Greater Life, and we're just excited about how God is just growing this church, and we're just thankful to be a part of this church family. Every Sunday on the way home from church, I'm just telling my husband that we're just so blessed to have a community like this that just cares for one another so deeply. And this greater life, there, it, is, it is definitely a community. It is what the church should be. And if you're new here this morning, well, we welcome you. Um, but thank you guys for being a family to me and my husband, Ben. We just, we really appreciate all of you guys and love you guys so much. So I have the honor of sharing some of this Mother's Day message with you guys. Um, Pastor Donna is going to come up after me, and then we'll have Pastor Andrew at the end, but thank you for listening to me for when you have to listen to me. (laughs) So um, I just want to start with prayer. So Father, I just thank you so much for, for this day, God. I thank you for this church. I thank you for this family. Lord, I thank you for everybody that you brought into this place. I know that no one is here by accident. Lord, I pray that you just open our ears to what you want to say this morning. Not what I want to say, not what we want to hear for ourselves, God, but what you want to say. Lord, I pray that you prepare hearts right now. Lord, help me to get out of the way of what your Holy Spirit wants to do today. Lord, I thank you so much for everything that you're doing and that you're going to do and that you've already done in this place this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So our message today is called the mother's heart. And I want to start by reading a quick poem, um, because Mother's Day is, there's so much celebration. It's awesome. It's like just such a good day, and it's so exciting. Um, But for a lot of people, Mother's Day is really, really difficult. And this poem just kind of addresses all of the people. So it says, to those who gave birth this year, to their first child, we celebrate you. To those who lost a child this year, we mourn with you. To those who are in, the, are in the trenches with little ones every day and wear a badge of food stains, we appreciate you. To those who experience loss through miscarriage, failed adoptions, or running away, we mourn with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, fraught with pokes, prods, tears, and disappointment, we walk with you. To those who are foster moms, mentor moms, and spiritual moms, we need you. To to those who have warm and close relationships with your children, we celebrate you. To those who have disappointment, heartache, and distance with your children, we sit with you. To those who lost their mothers this year, we grieve with you. To those who experienced abuse at the hands of your own mother, we acknowledge your experience. To those who lived through driving tests, medical tests, and overall testing of motherhood, we are better for having you in our midst. To those who have aborted children, we remember them and you on this day. To those who are single and long to be married and mothering your own children, we mourn that life has not turned out the way you longed for it to be so far. 
To those whose step-parent, we walk with you on those complex paths. To those who will have emptier nests in the upcoming year, we grieve and rejoice with you. To those who place children up for adoption, we commend you for your selflessness and remember how you hold that child in your heart. And to those who are pregnant with new life, both expected and surprising, we anticipate with you. This Mother's Day, we walk with you. Mothering is not for the faint of heart. And we have real warriors in our midst. We remember you. And I was gonna try to get through that without getting emotional, but pregnancy emotions, guys. If you know, you know. (laughs) So it's the most random times, too. (laughs) But today's message is um, the mother's heart. And before I go into it, I wanna talk about the heart in scripture. Um, So the heart, um, we're not just talking about the heart, the organ, the heart, that's what my brain goes to. But um, in scripture, we see that the heart is of the uttermost self. So if you strip everything else you know about a person and it's what remains left, what flows most naturally from someone. In the Bible we read, Jesus says that he, um, he is gentle and lowly at heart. And that's what flows so naturally from him. And so we're gonna see in scripture, just we're gonna go through some mothers today and see what their heart is, what flows naturally from them. And um, I hope this encourages y'all today. I know that um, even the men in here are gonna get something out of this today, so I'm excited. So the heart that worships. Um, Worship, when you think of worship, I know a lot of people think of singing songs. We say our worship team, we're gonna do worship today, um, which that is definitely a part of worship. Um, But worship in its totality is a heart posture. It's a way of living, it's a way of thinking, it's a way of being, not just on Sunday mornings or Wednesday night, but all the time. It's who you are. And in Luke 1, 30 through 38, um, we're gonna look at Mary and when the angel Gabriel came and told Mary that she's gonna have a son. She's gonna have not just a son, but the son of God, the mother of Jesus. So when Gabriel comes to Mary, um, he says, he says all, the, all these things and she asks, well, how, how can this happen? I'm a virgin that at the time she's engaged to um, a man named Joseph and they're just engaged, they're not married yet. Um, so she's like, how can this happen? Um, and I don't know about y'all, but I would have a lot more questions than just that if someone said that because the son of God, what do you mean? You know, like it's crazy. But she asked that and then he answers that the spirit of God is gonna come upon you and you will conceive a child. And her answer to that is just so straightforward. And she says, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. So she accepts the will of God so willingly and without many questions at all, she just accepts it. And she accepts God's favor. And she surrenders to his will. And this time, if you were um, just engaged or if you were pregnant and you weren't married, there was, like, you were pretty much outcasted. And, I mean, Joseph could have called off the engagement. She could have been outcasted. There was so much hardship that, like, rode on that assignment that the Lord was giving her. 
and we don't really think about that sometimes, but there was so much blessing in it, but there was also so much hardship and so much trust that she had to have in God in that moment. And she surrendered so willingly. And we also see her praise God for it. At, right after she goes and visits a relative, uh, Elizabeth, who is also pregnant, the angel told her that she was pregnant as well, and she goes and visits her. And what Elizabeth says to her when she comes, she says, you are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. And how Mary responds to this, she responds, the Bible calls it Mary's song of praise. So not only is she surrendering to God's will and accepting God's favor, the blessings and the hardships, both she's doing it with a spirit of joy and with a spirit of praise. And I'm just going to read through this, and I want you guys to follow along or just close your eyes and think about her heart posture in this, and it's, it's so beautiful. She says, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and the haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors and Abraham and his children forever. She calls out his goodness in the past. She calls out his goodness now. She calls out his goodness, what he's gonna do in the future. And she's uplifting God and she's praising God. And she's accepting his favor with a spirit of praise. And I just wanna encourage y'all that that is a mother's heart. This, that's her heart and that should be our heart. Every one of us is accepting his will. And there's, there's times where the Lord calls us to things or puts things in our lives that aren't just blessings. He does a lot of blessing, but a lot of times it comes with blessing and it also comes with hardships. So surrendering to him wholeheartedly, but with praise with the heart posture of praise and worship. The second thing I wanna draw your attention to of um, Mary's heart is that she pondered and was amazed. And we see in the um, story of the shepherds when the, Jesus was born, fast forward, um, in the manger in, the, in Bethlehem, the angels came or to the shepherds and they say, oh, baby Jesus is here, he's wrapped in swaddling clothes, he's to be lying in a manger, they rush to see Mary. And um, it says in, this is Luke 2, 17, it says, after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. So we see the shepherds going and telling the whole village about what happened and all these people being so astonished and it's so great. But then right after, the word of God says, it includes this part that's so cool to me, that Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. So I think a lot of times we make um, like doing big things like going and preaching and all these things like such a bigger deal than just like thinking about God often. 
and just like giving him your whole heart. And I think um, in scripture, what's written about Mary isn't that she like preached from a mountaintop or healed the sick, um, but that she genuinely and deeply praised God. And he had her heart. She pondered his nature and she pondered his works and she was amazed and she treasured all those memories in her heart and she thought about them often. And I just think this shows so well that the Lord just wants your heart. He wants your heart of worship and that's what we see in Mary's life. And other times we see as Jesus is getting older, we see that she um, was amazed about the things that were being said about him. Um, She just, it says again in um, Luke 45, 49, that she stored all these things in her heart again. And why is the scripture continuing to say, she stored all these things in her heart? Oh, she stored all these things in her heart. Because I I feel like a lot of times we're like, oh, like, whatever, you know, but that is so meaningful to our Father. That is so meaningful to God, is your heart of worship. He just wants your heart. He wants your heart of worship and surrender more than anything that you can do for him. Everything else flows from a heart of worship. And if it doesn't, it's probably for the wrong intentions. So living a life where you are surrendered to his will with a joyful spirit of praise, as you ponder and you're amazed at his mighty works, I just want you guys, like Mary, to allow his goodness to bring you into a heart posture of worship this Mother's Day. So, Donna. Thank you, Grace. Mother's Day is a blessing. It can also be hard. Um, I'm going to start off with my point number two. Um, Point number two is the heart that longs. This is a story of Abraham and Sarah. But first, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. To give you a future and a hope. You have a future that the Lord has promised you. Let's look at the future God promised Abraham and Sarah. We're in Genesis 17. And I almost forgot this in the first service too. Getting older, glasses are needed. Here we go. Genesis 17, 1 through 2, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. Genesis 17, 16 says, and I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly, and she will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. And then we have 1719, but God replied, no, Sarah, your wife will give birth to a son for you. You will name him Isaac, and I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. The Lord promised Abraham a great nation. God told him repeatedly in these scriptures, I will, I will, I will, I will. Abraham didn't have it yet. 
Sometimes the wait is long to see the promise. For years, God promised Abraham this great nation. And it was supposed to be through his wife, Sarah. Sarah longed for children. She wanted to see this promise that God said for them that they were going to have. But she started to doubt the promise. And then the substitute came. She took matters into her own hands. She gave her servant woman to Abraham to have sons through her. We can't force the hand of God. We can't, we can't do that. That's where things go wrong. Our plans are not right. God is good, right? Sarah was trying to help things along, but that was not God's intention. We have to be patient in the wait. There's lessons there, and God is preparing the way for the good things that he promised. So when the promise was coming and the wait was almost over, Sarah didn't believe it, right? She laughed. We've done those things before, right? I was reading my Bible scripture this morning, and I just want to read that to you. It says, She is clothed with strength and dignity, and she laughs without the fear of the future. When she speaks, her words are wise, and she gives instructions with kindness. Sarah didn't laugh with fear. She laughed with disbelief. We've all been there. We believe time is up, that it's never going to happen, what God promised us. You know, we've been waiting too long. So we think to ourselves, I'm not going to be blessed with the thing or the things that I've been praying for that God promised me. God has forgotten. I'm moving on. I just can't wait any longer. Is that a trust issue? Is it a control issue? God's got control. He's in control. We need to remember to leave that to him. The timing wasn't right when Sarah did these things. Things need to be ready. We need to be ready. Our heart needs to be ready. Was, our, was her heart ready for what was next? Let the Holy Spirit in our waiting guide us and help us in our longing. Let him comfort us in the wait. Let him guide us in the wait. You may be single with or without children, married, waiting for children, or your next children, waiting for grandchildren, that's me. Or you might be longing for some other promise that God has promised you. God is preparing the way. Don't doubt it, don't rush it, but prepare for it. Romans 15.13 says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with the confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Luke 15 has the story of the prodigal. Jesus is talking about things that are lost. And it says, Jesus told him this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. If you see that, he said a few days later. He didn't, it did not take him long to go ahead and do these things, right? About that time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. 
He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But... His father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And kill the calf that we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. And I really like that part. Let the party begin. But we don't know how long the prodigal was gone do we? We don't. The heart that's broken. My prodigal story. I grew up Baptist, Southern Baptist. Went to church when I was really small. Um, and during the summers, I went, you know, with my grandmother, VBS, um, summer school, stuff like that. It was fun. I have two other sisters. My mom, she used to threaten us when, um, we were little, saying if we were bad, we'd have to go to church. I didn't mind that. I liked church. It was fine. You know? Um, I, I remember um, going to church when I was smaller, and the preacher would preach so hard, his face would turn red. He was turning colors. I was like, cool. This is, this is awesome, right? It was entertaining to me. Um, I went to church with my dad in um, middle school. We didn't have that awesome um, youth program that we do here with you know, camps and concerts and things like that. We didn't, we didn't have those things. Um, so you know, I didn't get to experience those things. But I would go and it was fine for me. Not much going on, right? My early years were going to church, don't go to church, back and forth and stuff. I knew who Jesus was but it wasn't personal, you know? It didn't become personal until I was in my early 20s, but even then, it didn't last for me. I wasn't running from God, I just walked away. It was just that simple. Nothing crazy, nothing harsh, you know? I just was away from the Lord. A casual drift or a complete denial of Jesus, it ends in the same place. You are still away from the Lord. I felt like something was missing in my life. You know, I had, you know, a husband, two kids, everything was going great, but something in me was missing. It finally came to the point where I couldn't deny God any longer. I was in church, and this song came on, and this is where my favorite verse comes from, Psalms 3.3, and this is King James Version. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter up of mine head. He's our shield. He protects. He's the lifter of my head. If he lifts your head, you're looking at him. He's looking at you, right? A shield 
for me, my glory, the lifter of my head. It became personal. Jesus came back for us, but that day, Jesus came back for me. It became personal, and there was no turning back for me at that point. Proverbs 22.6, direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. I knew I wanted to raise my children in church. I didn't want them to go through what I did, back and forth. I wanted them to know the Lord. We went to church on Wednesdays, two services on Sundays. They um, went to the Christian school, a Christian daycare. I homeschooled them. I did Christian curriculum. One day I was um, preparing Isaiah's lunch. He was in a co-op for the homeschool. And I asked him, I said, what fruit do you want for lunch tomorrow? And he said, joy. I love that. He had an awesome kid's pastor, by the way, just saying. It was awesome. And that's what I wanted. We raise our children the best way we can, pray for them for good things. We never want our children to go through hurt. We try to spare them as much as we can. But ultimately, they have choices to make that we cannot make for them. Sometimes those choices lead to hard lessons. In the prodigal story, he chose to leave, but he also chose to return. I've been praying for my daughter for over two years now. Year one was so hard. I was so broken. I'm still broken in many ways. I was praying and I was crying, but thanks to some good advice, I had to take a good look at what I was praying for. I wasn't praying right. I was praying to God for my will to be done, not his. Through my broken heart, I didn't pray whatever it takes, God. I wasn't ready for that. I was not at that point. I didn't want her to be hurt or to hit rock bottom. She's my daughter. We don't want that for them. I didn't pray for my daughter's friend at first. I didn't want to pray for her. I want to pray for my daughter, for her to return. But both of them, they are gripped in the chains of sin. I was praying for the desires of my heart, but I had to learn to ultimately pray for God's will to be done. Whatever it takes, Lord. Whatever it takes. Like the parable, I'm the parent of the prodigal. I'm still here waiting, watching, longing for her to return. But my arms are open, ready for her to return. Proverbs 22, 6 again, direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. But how much older? How much long I have to wait? There's a song that speaks to me right now, and it says, when I was younger, I was running like a prodigal. My mama praying every night that God would save my soul. Even in the dark, he never let me go. I hit the wall face to face with the Holy Ghost. And it says, there's someone praying for you every day. Now that's amazing grace. Don't give up on the ones you love. Just a little faith is enough. When the prayers go up, the lost will be found. That's Final Knees by Evan Croft. But through the longing, the broken heart, whose will are you praying? Are you praying yours? Are you praying God's? 
were you the prodigal? Noah prodigal are the prodigal. Let the Spirit guide you in your prayers. Speak the desires of your heart and let the Spirit guide you towards God's will be done. If you are praying with someone, let us agree with you in prayer. We're the body of Christ. We're our community. We can pray together. Let the Spirit guide us. They're our children. We don't want them to be hurt. But we also have to be guided and make sure that we're following God's will.